ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the second episode of the Tactical Fanny Pack Podcast. I'm your host, Drew. I want to start by welcoming everybody and thank you for tuning in and listening. Now, if you listen to the first episode, you're going to already know what this episode's about. We are going to be talking about child molestation and human trafficking. One of the reasons we're going to be doing so is I'm going to talk about my own personal experience being molested as a young child. Not a lot of people know that about me, so it is kind of a difficult thing for me to talk about. But I want to get that out in the open and get it out here so that maybe someone who's experienced something similar, who's been ashamed or afraid to speak about it, maybe this will give them the courage to come out and speak about it. I'm also going to talk about things you can look for and ways you can help to prevent this. And that's one of the reasons we're going to get into the human trafficking as well. We're going to talk about what you can do and some of the myths and misconceptions about human trafficking. So, let's just get right into it and get the show started. Okay, so I do want to go ahead and just start off with what happened to me, talk about my molestation experience as a child. And to do so, i got to kind of start with my parents. As I mentioned in the previous episode, my parents were alcoholics. There was a little bit of drug use. Mostly, they were just drinkers. They were alcoholics. And it may have been their generation, too. I don't know if this is something a lot of people went through or not as far as being left home alone at a young age. I had a half-brother, and I had a couple of half-sisters, but they were typically with other family members, their father, their grandparents, whoever. So I was home with my parents quite a bit when I was growing up, when I was younger. We also lived in a pretty rural area. I didn't really have any kids my age around. So uh, my childhood was pretty lonely to say the least. But back to my parents, you know, they were alcoholics. They would leave me home. I remember as young as four or five being left home alone, and I'm talking for hours. They may not get home till two, three o'clock in the morning whenever the bar shut down, or if they were partying with other people, it may be the morning. It may be six or seven the next morning when they would have, you know, when they got home. So that in itself was kind of a rough experience, which we'll get into in a later episode. Sometimes, though, they would leave me with people to be watched, uh, grandparents, other family members, things like that. That was wonderful. Uh, I'm fortunate enough that I didn't have any issues with any family members. All the family members who ever watched me were great people, never did anything bad to me, and always loved going over there with them. Sometimes my parents, though, would leave me with, I don't even know if you'd call them friends because sometimes it was people they just met and I guess they considered them their friends but these may be people I've never met and they're dropping me off saying hey have a good evening so and so seems like a nice person they're going to watch you well we're going to go out and get drunk and party and do whatever during I believe it was around 91, 92 like I said this was a traumatic experience for me it's not something I like to think back on a lot so I'm not real sure of the dates and exactly how old I was i got a rough idea but I believe it was around 91 92 when my mother was diagnosed with breast cancer even during that time her and my father both continued to party and drink Uh, my mom would go to chemo get sick that day and later that evening she was getting drunk with my father anyways during about that time they started leaving me with this older gentleman at first it was a great experience because like I said I was a pretty lonely child growing up I didn't really have a lot of friends there wasn't a lot of family living near me at that time. I believe my older brother may have been there quite a bit during this time, but maybe not. 
So they started leaving me with this older gentleman. At first, everything was great. I had a friend getting some affection. Awesome. Then things started to kind of turn weird. Started asking the weird questions. Oh, do you have a girlfriend? Have you ever kissed a girl? All the things that I now know is grooming. It progressed into, oh, we're going to play this game. And this game might lead into, oh, you're going to touch me or I'm going to touch you. And eventually it got to the point where he was full on molesting me, raping me, however you want to describe it. This went on for a period of, a, I want to say, in between three or six months. I'm not exactly sure. Uh, during this time, no one suspected anything. I don't know how. But they kept dropping me off with him, keep leaving me with him. And I never said anything because at the time I didn't realize anything was wrong. You know, I'm a young child. Like I said, I couldn't have been more than 8 or 10. And at first I'm like, hey, someone's showing me some love. You know, I'm getting time with somebody else. I thought it was great. Eventually, uh, during one of the times he was molesting me, raping me, I actually, at that point, I realized something was wrong. I realized that this is not something I wanted to happen to me, things like that. And I actually had fought back um, when I first was telling him stop and all that. He didn't want to stop, but I was to the point where I actually started kicking, you know, flailing around, screaming, started fighting back a little bit. And just like most cowards and bullies, he, he quit. Shortly after that, he didn't want to watch me no more. So my parents stopped sending me over there, which was great for me. Unfortunately, at the time, being so scared and confused and everything, and my parents not really being around there for me, I never told anybody. I didn't have anybody that I felt that I could tell or wanted to because I was pretty ashamed. As a young child, you know, I'm thinking I did something wrong. How could I let this happen to me? How could I let this occur? And I was really ashamed. I was really sad. Just, I guess the word you would say would be wounded. So unfortunately, I never came forward until I was older, and I don't know whatever happened to this gentleman. Shortly after he stopped watching me, I believe he actually moved away. I don't know if it was because he was scared that I was going to come forward or not, but I have never seen him since. Hopefully he did not do that to somebody else, but if he did, hopefully he did get punished for it. Uh, hopefully he got arrested and sitting in prison. But So that's kind of my story of what happened to me, what occurred. You can see that it wasn't some stranger who grabbed me off the side of the road as I was walking home from school or, you know, snatched me out of my mother's hands in Walmart. And the truth is, this is typically what happens to our children. It's not going to be some human trafficker selling coloring books door to door something like that. It's going to be somebody you know. It's going to be a friend or a family member, something like that. So let me step back here just for a sec. I'm going to take a short break, compose myself, and we're going to talk some more here. Okay, I am back. I appreciate y'all bearing with me. Let me take a short break there, kind of recompose myself. That's a lot to put out. So I wanted to kind of reorganize my thoughts here and get back on track. I do want to step back real quick and say stranger kidnapping, stranger sexual assaults, you know, kidnappings, forcing people into human trafficking, 100% that stuff does happen. 
I mean, there's no doubt about that. We know that stuff happens. But most of the time, that is not what is occurring. And we're going to get into that here in a little bit. But human traffickers, they have so many, I don't want to say willing victims because that's not the correct term. But they have people who are selling their children into it and everything else. For them to take the risk of kidnapping somebody off the street or something like that, they just don't have to take that chance. It's going to draw more attention to them than they want. And that's what I'm trying to get at. Um, most like child molestations, things like that, is somebody you know. And that's difficult for a lot of people to comprehend, especially when it's a family me- Excuse me, getting tongue-tied here. Especially when it's a family member, a close friend, somebody like that. It's really hard for people to accept that. There's people who are molested by their parents, their grandparents, their brothers, their sisters. It, it occurs. And that's something we have to face and be willing to speak up against. Whether we love them, whether they've been good to us, you may not be the one who's being molested or sexually assaulted. It could be a relative. You may have a child and your parents may be molesting your child. For example, something like that. And it's very tough for someone to speak up about that, especially if their child comes to them and say that. You're not going to want to believe them. You're going to kind of be like, oh, no, you must have misunderstood the situation. But the truth is you need to really look into that and see what occurred. Because honestly, if it looks like a duck and it quacks like a duck, it's probably a child molester. And that's a hard lesson for some of us to learn. And that occurs with one of the big situations that I've seen and from cases I've worked as a law enforcement officer is single mothers and their new boyfriends or new husbands. For some reason, that seems to be pretty big deal and it's I'm trying to think of how to put this delicately unfortunately it's kind of society we live in I think that's causing some of this Uh, you see a lot of like the pornography and stuff coming out is like stepmom stepbrother stepfather and stepdaughter and I think that's breeding some of it it's always been around don't get me wrong I mean from the beginning of time when there were humans there have been child molesters and people who have hurt children not just molesting them I mean abusing them everything else but we have that in society nowadays with the pornography where it I don't know why people enjoy that kind of stuff but they do and I'm not saying there's anything wrong with you know an adult watching pornography or anything but I mean that specific genre of you know father daughter things like that I don't get that why that's so popular nowadays maybe someone you know maybe one of my guests on here maybe they're into it maybe they could explain to me or maybe we'll have a psychologist or something on here eventually maybe we'll get into that we'll see but it's to me that's a little confusing uh, especially because a lot of these people that are watching are probably the same people out here talking about oh kill the pedophiles you know and all that kind of stuff but they're really they're kind of breeding it by watching that stuff and allowing it to be made because they're supporting that stuff So, going back to the the actual child molestation, I'm sorry, I kind of got a little off track there with everything. I kind of got on a little rant there. For me, um, it really affected my whole, it's still affecting my life. When that happens to a child, it's almost like taking their life. It's almost like killing that child. It killed my childhood, 100%. There is no denying it. I was not the same after that. 
Uh, I was awkward. Like, I had a hard time talking to people, being around people. I still do now, even, but it was really bad. You know, I couldn't hardly function for at least a couple years there as a child. I couldn't be around people. I was very weird. I was very awkward. And it directly stemmed from that. Because I was afraid of being hurt again. I didn't want someone else hurting me. I didn't trust people. I didn't didn't know how to act around people normally because I hadn't been treated normally. And some of that, yeah, of course, like I've talked about, my parents were alcoholic. Excuse me. My parents were alcoholics and things like that. And that did play a part in some of it, how I was raised, some of the situations I was brought up in that we'll talk about later on. But the child molestation, that directly impacted everything. Even today, it kind of impacts who I am. I do have children of my own now. I'm married with children. <laughs> and it's, No, it's not Peggy. I'm not married to Peggy Bundy. My name's not Al Bundy. But what I mean by that is my children, I don't want to say suffered because of it, but I'm very strict. My wife had similar childhood. I'll say that as me. And we're very strict with our children. We don't let them go many places unsupervised or with people that we don't know. Like, if we're not there, we don't just throw them out there. Which leads me into another story now that I'm thinking about it. And this story may be a little confusing for y'all. So I'm going to try to explain it the best I can because this is a great example of what I've been talking about here. We were living in a medium-sized town. I was actually a police officer in this town. Our oldest daughter was about 9 or 10 years old. She had made a friend at school. We had met the girl's mother. She seemed okay, you know. We kind of got maybe like the girl's mom may drink a little bit, but didn't seem anything wrong. So we allowed our oldest daughter to go spend the night there. Well, about 3 o'clock that morning, there's a knock on the door. I go answer it. And it's this lady and my oldest daughter. And I'm really confused. I'm like, hey, what's going on? My oldest daughter's like, you know, I got a bad feeling. I just wanted to come home. Me and my wife immediately, we're paranoid. We're like, oh, God, did something happen to her? You know, someone touched her. What was going on? Our daughter, you know, no, nothing happened. Nobody touched me. I just had a bad feeling. Well, now fast forward. It was a couple months later. I go into work, or I may have been called into work to assist with a attempted child rape. There was a small child. Uh, she was about eight to nine years old. She went to go see her friend, went over to the house. When she knocked on the door to ask for her friend, nobody was home except for the girl's uncle. The uncle grabbed the little girl, drug her into a basement, tied her up, pulled her pants down, and was fixing to rape her. When luckily, the other family members came home. He got scared, told her not to say anything. He would kill her, cut her loose, and she left. Luckily, she told her mother, and we were able to go arrest this gentleman. Well, come to find out, this was the same house my daughter had been at. She, of course, I had to go back and talk to her. Me and my wife sat down and really, like, pressed her, like, hey, you need to let us know if anything happened to you. And she denied it. She just said she really did get a creepy feeling and she just didn't feel comfortable there. Thank God for her listening to her gut that night because no telling what would have happened. But it was the same house. That was her friend's uncle. And he attempted to rape a little girl. When we got his phone, there was all sorts of, not necessarily child porn, but borderline child porn. It was, you know, daughter having sex with father. That kind of stuff is what he was searching as porn. That's one reason I brought that up a minute ago is because that's what I've seen. Um, 
Disney princesses having sex. All this kind of weird stuff that he was looking up. His sister, who was he was living with, defended it, saying he was just looking at porn. It wasn't a big deal. Even after she found out that he attempted to rape a child. That's what I'm talking about. People not wanting to admit that their family members have done something wrong. That they're this way. And it's very scary to me that people are like this. That her brother is living in the house with her young daughters because she had other children. He's looking at this type of stuff. We questioned the other girls that were living in the house with him. And they said that he never did anything. But who's, who's to say he wasn't working up to that? That's a scary thought. He's in, last I'm aware of, he was in prison. He got quite a bit of time for all that. I don't think he will be out for a while, luckily. But it just goes to show you don't know who to trust, and you're just letting your kid think about this, too. The little girl who almost got raped, her parents let her go over there by herself because it's a smaller, kind of a medium-sized town. Now, it, you could say it's a small town. She's just letting her, the parents are just letting their 7-, 8-year-old daughter go over there you know, by herself, walking, no telling how far away she lived, all because they don't think this stuff's going to happen, and it absolutely will. It can happen to any of us. It can happen to us as an adult. There's, when we get into human trafficking here in a little bit, there's plenty of examples of adults being drugged, men and women, being drugged by their partners and forced into sex with other people, things like that. Just people, friends, people they believed were their friends raping them when they were asleep or forcefully raping them. I mean, the list goes on and on here. We got to really open our eyes to this and bring it out and not be afraid to speak about it. It is traumatic. It is embarrassing. I don't like talking about it. Uh, You guys heard me have to take a break after talking about what happened to me personally. But we need to be strong. That's one reason we're talking about this. We need to get this out here. We need to support each other, not bring each other down. We also need to make sure there's not false claims. We can't just be throwing out accusations against people. We need to be sure. But like I said, looks like a duck, quacks like a duck, that's probably a child molester and you need to investigate further. Whether you ask for the police to help you or if you just question them yourself if it's you catch them in the instance. So now let's kind of talk about things to look for. And we're going to kind of get into the human trafficking side, and I'm going to explain more of why it, excuse me here, it's, there's a lot to talk, and I'm going to get tripped up every once in a while, so bear with me. But we're going to talk about why, you know, like I said, we're going to talk about the coloring book human trafficker that's going door to door, and your Facebook, uh, the guy stalking me in Walmart messages, and we're going to go over some of that and talk about that and explain why that's not necessarily helpful or correct. Okay, so now I want to talk about some signs that a child may be experienced sexual abuse or has had sexual abuse. And for that, I'm actually going to go look at the RAIN.org. RAIN stands for Rape, Abuse, and Incest National Network. They have a pretty good list on here of signs that a child has been sexually abused. Some pretty obvious ones are the physical signs, you know, sexually transmitted diseases. You know, you got to eight-year-old who is pregnant or who has gonorrhea or something that's a pretty big clue 
other signs are just trauma, you know, genital area trauma, unexplained bleeding, bruising, blood on the sheets, underwear, or other clothing. I'm going to add on to that, and as mom or dad, whoever's doing the laundry, if you got any sort of suspicions, take a look at your children's underwear. I mean, you're liable to find semen, blood, feces, urine, all sorts of stuff on there that may be a sign that something else is going on. And it may not be sexual abuse. It could be something else. It could be a medical problem. But check that stuff. And obviously, if it does have something on there, some semen or something, or after finding it and the child tells you they've been abused, save that for the police because that's going to be good evidence. Some behavior signs, um, excessive talking or knowledge of sex, that is a pretty big one. If your child, you've never had the, the birds and the bees talk and now all of a sudden they're talking about some sexual positions and things like that. Maybe they heard it on TV or a video game or something, but you need to talk to them and figure out why they know that. Keeping secrets, uh, not talking as much as usual, that's a kind of a big sign. If that kind of goes in some other emotional signs here, but that's a big personality change form. That's something you need to watch. Uh, something I would look for, something I've seen quite a lot of, is not wanting to be left alone with certain people or being afraid to be away from primary caregivers, especially if this is new behavior. You know, if Uncle Jimmy comes by and little Tommy doesn't want to sit with him on the couch no more, won't even talk to him, look him in the eye, you know, Uncle Jimmy comes up pats him on the head and he like winces away you need to figure out why that's occurred same thing if it's little Susie and grandpa comes by and she don't want nothing to do with him or it could be an older brother or sister all of a sudden they don't want nothing to do with them they're scared to be left alone with them that's stuff to think about and you need to investigate further uh, regressive behaviors resuming behaviors they've grown out of such as thumb sucking or bedwetting that is two big ones, especially the bedwetting or just being able to control their bladder. A lot of times children who have been sexually assaulted or abused or just abused in general, they have a hard time controlling their bladder. So that is a big one to look for. Overly compliant behavior. Um, it's kind of a bad way to say it, but if they've almost been dominated by that person, they may be over compliant to them. Sexual behavior that is inappropriate for the child's age. You know, if they're over there playing with their Barbie dolls and they're talking about oh this one's 69 and this one and or they're trying to play a game like that with another child or something that's something should be a big red flag for excuse me big red flag for you to look at spending an unusual amount of time alone this is one that people should have seen on me I didn't want to be around anybody anymore because I was afraid they were going to hurt me or you know just feeling ashamed back in that time homosexuality wasn't as accepted it still even has its own issues now but I believe because of what happened to me for that time period I thought I was a homosexual and I didn't want no one to know that because I would have had no any people who liked me then would have hated me back then and I would have got made fun of and bullied and I was really afraid of that it took me a long time to realize that no I'm not a homosexual there's nothing wrong with that but I am not and then to move on from there. So that's something to keep an eye on. Trying to remove clothing to change or bathe. That kind of goes back to checking the underwear and stuff. If they come home and immediately want to get a piece of clothing off or something, you need to see that piece of clothing. There could be, you know, it could be simply they urinated themselves or something, but you need to check on them. 
some emotional signs, change in eating habits, they're not wanting to eat, overeating. Here's a pretty big one to me, change in mood or personality such as increased aggression. I know when certain incidents happened after I was molested, I was definitely a lot more aggressive. But most of the time, I was more withdrawn and just didn't want to be around anybody. The reason I was more aggressive is because I didn't want anyone hurting me again. Uh, decrease in confidence or self-image. Yeah, that's kind of what I've already said. And that's what I still deal with today because of it. I just felt like I was the lowest thing on earth. I didn't belong. I didn't deserve to talk to anybody. I didn't belong anywhere. I was just worthless. I was, you know, scum that should be in a gutter. And if you start seeing that behavior, you need to start getting them help anyways because that could be something else, but definitely check on it. Excessive worry or fearfulness, that's a pretty self-explanatory one. Increase in explained health problems, stomach aches, headaches. I definitely had some of that going on, um, trying to get away. And, you know, that way, I could get, that way I could get left alone and just heal up in my room by myself, no one messing with me. Didn't want to go to school because with everything, I didn't want to be around anybody. So that that one's definitely true. Nightmares or fear of being alone at night. 100%. Um, I had not just nightmares, but night terrors for a long time. I just got rid of them probably. <laughs> it, it's funny. I got PTSD from other stuff, military and some law enforcement stuff. Finally get rid of my night terrors with it. Now I got a whole other issues with that. <laughs> But yes, you know, nightmares and stuff, that's something to check for. And self-harming behaviors, uh, cutting, things like that. There have even been, you know, seven, eight-year-olds kill themselves over not just being sexually abused and stuff, but just being bullied. So that's uh, something to look into. Some signs that the, the adult's doing it to them is if the adult doesn't respect their boundaries or listen when someone tells them no. Um, they engage in touching that child or that the child's parents have indicated is unwanting, or excuse me, basically they're touching the child after the child said it's unwanted and the child's parents have also said it's unwanted. Tries to be the child's friend rather than filling an adult role, excuse me, adult role in the child's life. You can go back and listen to my story, that's what happened. Uh, this gentleman was my friend because, you know, I didn't have no friends or anything. I didn't really have an adult role model at the time and that's exactly what got me, so that is a serious one. Does not seem to have age-appropriate relationships. Yeah, if all their friends are younger children or young teens or something like that, definitely keep an eye on that. Talks with children about their personal problems or relationships. You can listen to my story. One of the ways he was grooming me. Hey, have you ever kissed a girl? Have you ever had a girlfriend? That type of stuff. Spends time alone with children outside of the role in the child's life or makes up excuses to be alone with the child. I've seen this where people will be very much like, oh, hey, let me watch your child. Uh, you know, they can come to my house and hang out. It's cool. It would just be me and them. I'm lonely. They can come hang. I'll watch them. That kind of stuff just to spend time alone with the child. Don't. If you have any idea that they're going to harm that child, do not allow them to do that. I know as parents we want alone time sometimes. We want to get away from our children and take a break, but if it means them getting sexually assaulted or abused, you know, you brought them into this world, they're your responsibility, deal with it. 365, you watch them until you can find a safe space for them to go. 
expresses unusual interest in child's sexual development, such as commenting on sexual characteristics or sexualizing normal behaviors. Yeah, so, you know, uh, puberty, your child starts hitting puberty, and the guy starts making, or woman even, because there are women who molest children too, they start making comments about, oh, you know, she's getting breast, or, oh, her butt's filling out, things like that. You need to keep a big eye on that person, keep them away from your child. Gives gifts to children without occasion or reason. So they're just, hey, you know, I got this for you for no reason. Could be a cell phone. I've heard, I don't know how true this is. This is something you should look up. Or I could look up on a further episode because I'm hoping to have some people maybe from Deliver Fund on here. But I've heard that they like to give children cell phones now, specifically ones that their parents don't have access to so that they can try to communicate with them and share images. That's something uh, I, I'm sure it's true, but don't take my word for that. We'll, you can either research it or we'll get someone on here to confirm that. Spends a lot of time with your child or another child you know. Yeah, if he's or her spending time with not just your child like that, but others, keep an eye on them, especially if they don't have a reason. And restrict a child's access to other adults. Um, this is kind of a big one. If they only want to keep them with them and away from other adults, that could be because they don't want the child letting something slip out about what's been going on. <clears throat> so definitely keep an eye on all that. With that being said, uh, ways you can help the child if this does occur. One, if they come to you and talk about it, listen. Don't just blow them off, even if it's a family member they're accusing. I mean, if it's two of your children, if one of your children's accusing another children of assaulting them, don't blow it off. No one wants to hear it. Well, no one wants to deal with that, but you need to listen. You need to take the appropriate actions, whether it's call the police or once you talk to them and realize it was just a misunderstanding or something. But if it's not just a misunderstanding, contact the police, make a report. Let the courts figure out what to do. More than likely, if it's a child on child, they're going to get the child who was the victim help, and they're going to get the aggressor help. They're not just going to throw a child in jail and just leave them there to rot. They're going to try to rehabilitate them. Um, counseling, that's kind of long rehabilitation. Get them in counseling. I wish somebody would have listened to me got everything going on like I've just talked about and then got me into counseling at a young age my life would have been so much further along than it is now I've gotten to where I need to be uh, I'm finally good with it obviously I'm here talking about it I've made a good life for myself but it took a long time to get past it I mean it was there's still some that bothers me but for the most part just the last couple of years I've kind of gotten over it enough to function with it and I'm almost 37, so what does that tell you? So definitely get them in the counseling, listen to them, and just be there for them. You know, try not to put them in the bad situations in the first place, but if you do recognize you did it, that you put them there, you let them get there, take responsibility for it, apologize to them, and get them the help. Okay, so now let's talk about human trafficking for a minute. Now, the reason... I talked about the coloring book and things like that earlier is there was a story going around in Broken Arrow, Oklahoma a few years ago. There were some college kids selling coloring books door to door. They had a permit from the town. 
they were actually a organization, I believe, from Tennessee, like a college program, where they go around sellies during the summer and make money when they were out of school. Somebody put on Facebook, oh, they're human traffickers, they're going door to door looking for victims, you know, they're scouting for my children. And this got all over Facebook and became a whole big deal. Once law enforcement got a hold of it and investigated it, it was not the case. It was just some college kids trying to make some summer money. Similar to that, we always see the Facebook. Oh, my friend was followed by this guy in Walmart, and he was scouting to rip her daughter out of her hands because he was going to sell her to human trafficking, and blah, 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 blah. But then it never happens. The guy never does anything. More than likely, because the dude's probably asset protection, and he's watching you to see if you're stealing things, not to steal your daughter. Now, is it possible someone could do that? Absolutely. I think I mentioned earlier there are videos of other countries that, and it even happens here where people walk up just try to grab a kid out of your arms and run off with them. It does happen. I'm not telling you to just bury your head in the sand and ignore it, but use some common sense here. Human traffickers most of the time do not need to steal kids out of people's arms. Unfortunately, their own parents are selling them into it. <clears throat> These parents have, may have been victims themselves. Or they may be drug addicts wanting to pay off a debt, and they don't care about their children. They will just give it. I'm talking newborns. I am even remember a story a few years ago of a mother who had already arranged with a guy to molest her newborn as soon as she had the baby. I mean, that tells you something right there what people will do. Not everyone loves their children or are good parents. It's just the way it is, unfortunately. So that's something to, to look at and think about. And also, people, they call them Romeo pimps or Romeo traffickers, I've heard them called. They will start a relationship with you or whoever, and they will date you. Sometimes for months, they will treat you great. They'll buy your food, buy you clothes, take you out on these expensive dates. Next thing you know, they're, hey, baby, you really love me. Yeah, I love you too. Okay, I need you to go sleep with these men for me so we can make some money. And at that point... The girl's probably hooked. She's going to either do it or he's going to force her to do it. He may ply her with drugs. That also happens too. Girl starts hanging out with a guy she likes, romancing her a little bit. He takes her to a party. They dose her with drugs. They rape her. Then they sell her into sex trafficking. It absolutely happens that way. So with that being said, the chance of them coming up and just ripping your child out of your hand... I'm not going to say zero because it does happen. And there's other weirdos out there that could do it. But more than likely, that person selling a coloring book coming door to door is not a human trafficker. If you do have reason to believe that you've witnessed human trafficking, if you can discreetly take a photo, write down the information, don't put yourself in harm, but try to get as much information as you can, pass that along to law enforcement. Believe me, despite what a lot of people say about cops right now, there are a lot of good ones and a lot of them who don't enjoy this stuff and don't agree with it, and they're going to go after those traffickers. They have whole task force dedicated to it, whole units and departments. They will go after them. Just give us the information and let us go with it. So with that being said, I think we've kind of touched a little bit on everything. It's a kind of a long episode which I try not to do with, with it just being me. I'd like to have guests on talking about it, make it a little more entertaining for y'all. 
but some of this information I really felt needed to get out here and get to y'all. Like I said, I wanted maybe someone to hear my story and realize that what happened to them, while it's not okay, it's not their fault. It's not okay because the person did something wrong to them, but it's nothing to do with them. And that it's okay to be big and strong and move past it. So, with that being said, we're going to end the show here. Uh, the next episode, we're going to discuss hunting. I talked about that. It's going to be hunting, some wildlife management issues and stuff. And it's going to be a fun episode. I'm going to talk about my father, the you know who we already know is an alcoholic, but he loved to hunt. He wasn't a horrible man. He would take me hunting, but he liked to stay drunk that whole time too. The only thing he did better than hunt was drink. So we have some pretty interesting stories about him. Uh, I might even talk to a couple people, see if I can remember some other ones. But we'll go over that. Uh, Should be a pretty fun podcast, especially coming out of this one. And if you hung in there with me, I really appreciate it. Uh, Look me up on Instagram, Tactical Fanny. And then if you kind of click on it, it shows the Fanny Pack, and it says Tactical Fanny Pack Podcast in the description. Uh, Facebook's coming. It should hopefully be Tactical Fanny Pack Podcast. If not, it'll be Tactical Fanny as well. And I'm on YouTube as well, Tactical Fanny or Tactical Fanny Podcast. Look it up. Pictures the Tactical Fanny Pack. So either way, uh, ladies and gentlemen, I really do appreciate you listening. Uh, We should be on Spotify, Google Podcast, Pocket Cast, and Anchor now. So you got plenty of options. Please share. Get it out here for me so we can maybe get some views and get some guests on here. Either way, I want to thank you guys and have a good evening or day or wherever you're at. All right. Talk to you next time.